Blog Talk Radio.
Word of Truth, sponsored by ISBHPK, presents Bible Talk. I am your brother, your friend, as always, your host, Tazapa, and I'm joined this morning once again by my lovely wife, Hasadai in the building, y'all. Hello. What's good, y'all? Hope everybody is healthy, man. Hope everybody had a great weekend, great Sabbath. Hope everybody's in good spirits, man, uh, weathering the storm. Want to send shots out, man, to our brothers here in San Antonio, man. Shalom to the brothers here, War and the crew, Shamsuan Daliyad. I want to uh, ask everybody to send prayers up for uh, the brother Ibad. I'm sorry, yeah, Ibad and the brother Yawaab. Send prayers up for those brothers. Keep bringing your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, wish those brothers speedy recoveries. They were in a very misfortunate accident. So keep those brothers in your thoughts and prayers, man. Wish them a, a healthy and speedy recovery. Want to send shouts out uh, out to Guatemala down Kawaka uh, down in Guatemala, and send shouts out to uh, brothers in VA Kazaki and the crew. Brothers down in H Town, the brother Quatrezap. Uh, we've been doing a series, y'all, uh, dealing with Egypt. Um, real interesting. Good class, brother, that you put together. So shout out to those brothers. Um, shout out to the 12 tribes worldwide, man, and prayers going up to all of Israel that we might be uh, healed of whatever ailments we're going through, uh, given strength uh, for whatever uh, spiritual battles we may be facing. Uh, as we await the return of our Savior, our King, uh, Yahweh Shai, who the world calls Christ, y'all. Let's give it up for the for Yahweh Shai, the Most High. <laughs> so let me go ahead and get into it, y'all. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So be it, man. Uh, this is the prayer we need to be sent up on a daily, y'all, so we can get the hell up out of here. Uh, news reports that I was getting was that uh, Russia is firing nukes at some nuclear war site over in Ukraine and missing the the uh, nuclear missiles by about 900 feet. This is strategic, y'all, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because what I just read in Matthew chapter 6 and given the current events, lets us know that we are getting very close. So, y'all, we have to be patient. We have to, y'all. Let me get this real quick. <clears throat> what the brother uh, Charles Judah T. say? I know it's hard, isn't it? Hold on, y'all. Hold on. We're going to get there. Just got to be patient, y'all. 
All right, this is Revelation chapter 13 and verse 9. This is like uh, the mandatory street-speaking Israelite verse, I guess, because I know y'all probably heard so many brothers use this verse, pull it out, read it. Come on, y'all. Oh, my bad. He ain't got the mic on. Now we on. Okay. So Revelation chapter 13, verse 10. Let me start at 9. It says, and... uh, if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth lead it into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kill it with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patient, patience and the faith of the saints. And that's the part I wanted to get to, y'all. Because the lead to captivity, killing with the sword, all that's good, fine and dandy. But before we can even get there, y'all, we have to have what? Patience. You have to have patience. And remember, the Most High also said this. Give me uh, Genesis 126. Mm-hmm. Uh, so read that and let me get this other one. Genesis 126. And God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man how? In our image. In his image y'all so we're made after the image of the most being made of the image of the most high of the most high let us consider this let's get romans chapter 15 verse 5 romans chapter 15 and verse 5 now the God of patience and the God of what? Patience. The God of what? Patience. The God of haste. Patience. The God of tomorrow. We getting out of here. We have to. We got to go. He's the God of what? Patience. He's the God of patience. And remember, we are made in His image. So He wants us to be what? Patient. I know we have a hard time doing this, y'all. I'm speaking for myself too. I be getting patient as hell sometimes, and I'm talking about just in general with just everyday life, <laughs> impatient with my loved ones, impatient with my kids, with my wife, period. I mean, just impatient sometimes. We got to dig in, y'all. We have to dig in and be created more into the image of the Most High, which is to be patient. That's what. This is why he made us in the very beginning, to be patient like him. We're supposed to be replicas of him. He, we were made in his image. So if he's a God of patience, he definitely wants us to be patient. Stop rushing. Slow your mind down. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I know y'all can hear it in the show. I'm like NASCAR Jesus speaking the mouth of men. I got to remind myself to slow down a lot of times. This is one of the issues I'm dealing with with my son right now. He just does everything fast. It's just spilling over into his schoolwork now. He's just rushing through everything. We have a real issue with being patient. But we have to remember the Most High wants us to be patient. Why? Because he's patient, and we were made in his image. So we can read that again. Romans 5 and 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded. To be what? Like-minded. To be like him, to be in the same mind he's in, which is what? A mind of patience. Be patient. Read. One towards another. And he even goes so far as extended all the things I just talked about. Be patient with each other. 
I know us, especially as husbands, man, we just be going crazy back, you know, I was trying to go there, but <laughs> going crazy, man, thinking that people want to change on our timeline or in uh, in the time we want them to change, it doesn't work like that, y'all. It don't. Now, this is not giving people an excuse and letting people off the hook that need to change. You know what you need to change. You keep playing around like you want to, thinking you've got all the time in the world to change, but the scripture says that Yahweh Shah is coming back, Christ is coming back like a thief in the night, meaning unexpectedly. So you should be rolling like he could come back at any minute, and you need to change right now. So with that said, though, we have to understand that people don't change overnight. It's a patience game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's what the war always always says. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We got to remember that. But you know how we are. We hate long distance running. <laughs> we rather do the sprint. <laughs> That's why you can see in the hundred, the two hundred, the four by four, <laughs> the relays. Who is it always running those races? Is us, and I'm talking about Israelites, black and brown people, so-called Native Americans, and the so-called Negroes. We run those fast events, but who you see running the the damn uh, the mile, <laughs> the two mile? <laughs> it's either Esau or Hamad. I'm talking about them Africans. Man, they they do that. <laughs> they do it with ease. But that requires patience. That requires endurance. And these are the things we struggle with, man. And we have to do better because we got to do better, honestly, because this is a patience game waiting for the return of our Savior, of our King. So read that again from the top. Romans 5 and 5. 15 and 5. I'm sorry, 15 and 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one towards another. Be patient. Read. According to Christ Jesus. Because Yahweh Shai was patient. Look at the patience that he exhibited when he dealt with the disciples. He worked with these brothers for three years. Three years he worked with them. And he was checking them along the way. <laughs> but he wasn't condemning them. Even when he was crucified and they turned their backs on him, he still came back at what? Taught them, opened their understanding of the scriptures up, and he still loved them. But that requires what? Patience. So we show y'all we have to be patient as we await the return of the Messiah, our King, our Savior. We have to, y'all. We can't be like uh, the parable that Yahushua gave about the, the man who started beating on his servants. I forgot which parable that is. Shabby, you know the one. Uh, if you if you hear me, brother, you got it. Uh, shoot it to me, would you? But it talks about the servant that, that just became, uh, or the king, he became impatient with his servants and started beating on them, man. We can't be like that, y'all. We, we don't know when Christ is coming back. It could be in our lifetimes, maybe in our children's lifetimes. I don't know. But we... We got to batten down the hatches. We in it for the long haul, y'all. 
with that said, let's get Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. I got quite a bit of news I want to get to. Well, not quite a bit, but it's lengthy, very lengthy. And I know it's other stuff going on, y'all, but I missed last week. Last week I had to work, get on the grind, go to the plantation. So I got. I'm, I was holding on to some stuff from last week that I want to definitely address. Where we at? Psalms one eighteen twenty four. Mm-hmm. This is the day which the Lord hath made. This is what? The day which the Lord hath made. Man, I know I pull this scripture every segment, blog talk, most every segment, like clockwork. But, y'all, I be having to say this to myself when I'm feeling some kind of way, when I'm feeling like, man, this day is dragging on or this situation is getting on my damn nerve or this person is getting on my damn nerve. What does it say? This is the day which the Lord hath made. Mm-hmm. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It said we will rejoice and be glad in it. Good or bad, happy or sad. The most high brought you to it, going to bring you through it, y'all. We have to keep that in perspective, especially according to Romans chapter 15, verse 5, the God of patience is what it's going to take, man, to endure, to, to weather the storm, to roll with the punches, man. All right, y'all. So with that said, let's dive into the news. And if it's your first time tuning in to the show, I usually do about an hour of news kind of events. Or just speak in my mind, man, my soapbox. So the first article I want to get to, uh, well, I do the news first, and then I get into the topic at hand. And we're definitely going to get into the topic. Let me slow down, y'all. The topic is entitled, and the water machine for hooking up the broadcast sir. And shout-out shout out to you, brother. And shout-out to the brothers in ABQ, too, man. Um, ladies first. The prophetess of the Bible. The prophetesses of the Bible. So that's the title of the class. We definitely don't get to it. It is, once again, an inspired Cousin Devin question. So while does thank you, Cousin. Keep them questions coming, man. They make for good topics. So, anyway, before we get into that, let's get into news current events. All right, so read this for me. From USA Today, Native American remains discovered in North Dakota college building return to tribes planned. Oh, nope. She didn't stutter. She read just what happened. Those are the headlines. So, you had the remains of our people found in a college of all damn places, in a, co- in a college. So read on. A North Dakota university found sacred objects from indigenous communities on campus and partial skeletal remains from dozens of people is working with Native American tribal leaders to return the findings. To return them. So they found skeletal remains and uh, sacred artifacts. And, you know, people like to be coming up against us when we tell them and we teach that the so-called white man is the devil, devil meaning deceiver, that the Bible speaks of. The word devil also means adversary. 
That's Satan. Satan means adversary, but they're one and the same. But anyway, man, people come against us, and they say that we're racist, we're uh, bigots, we're prejudiced against white people, so on and so forth. And the reality of it is, is that we're not. But we will speak the truth. And this is the truth, but this is what the so-called white man does when you bring out his history on his uh, demonic things, his his atrocities. He gets upset when you bring this out, and then he, he uses those cold words such as you're racist or... Uh, the fake Jews' favorite code word, anti-Semitic. They love pulling that, man, to back you up off of them, man, so they don't have to be reminded of what they did or they don't have to look bad. They hate looking bad, but they don't care about how they benefited from the bad that they did. And then they'll tell us when we bring up history and the atrocities that's been done to our people Oh, that was in the past. You should forget about it or let it go or that wasn't me. That was my ancestors, so on and so forth. They're just such apologists. When you tell them, hey, man, look, why don't you stop uh, commemorating 9-11 then? Why, why don't you stop celebrating 4th of July? They look at you like you're crazy. But why? When that's the same thing you're telling us to do, to forget history. To forget our heritage, forget what happened to us by our hands. I mean, come on, let's be logical about it. Not deceptive, not uh, full of tricks like you are, but let's be honest. Let's have an honest conversation. But you can't have an honest conversation with a person that's not honest, and they are definitely not honest. We'll read on in the story. Faculty and staff members at the University of North Dakota made the discovery while searching for a missing ceremonial pipe, which has not been located. Some items and remains were found in a partially secure storage room where items taken from archaeological digs were stored. None of the ancestors have been found in a closet, despite previous media reports, said university spokesman David Dodd. And they okay, because it's been numerous sources, so they're trying to downplay it and say they wasn't found in the closet. They probably were. They probably were. Go ahead. University President Andrew Armacos said in a news release Wednesday that the remains and objects should have been returned years ago. The university's goal now is to return the remains and objects home. Now, I said they should have been returned years ago. Uh, first of all, they shouldn't have never been taken in the first place, because you ask yourself, why the hell would they take bones? The same reason they took ancient artifacts. They take trophies. Those were nothing more than trophy pieces. And you know what's interesting about that trophy piece statement is that when you look at uh, the profiles of serial killers, You've seen movies or uh, documentaries or anything of that nature. They go into how most serial killers take trophies. And when you see these serial killers, who are they usually? Who's the usual suspect to be a serial killer? Middle-aged white people, man. 
This is not a coincidence. This is in their damn spirit. Because they are, in a sense, serial killers. They're mass serial killers, mass genocidal serial killers, man, who take trophies. So let's get the perspective of the Bible. Let's go to get Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 37. Deuteronomy 28 and 37. And thou shalt become an astonishment. What does the scripture say? And thou shalt become an astonishment. The thou who is speaking to. Hold this and get Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's educate some people. One. Yeah, Deuteronomy 1 and 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. Who is he speaking to? All Israel. And if you didn't know the word, Deuteronomy means the words. That's why I said these be the words. So the whole book of Deuteronomy, actually the whole Bible, but we're going to focus on Deuteronomy right here because it says that Moses wrote this to the children of Israel. This is before Moses passed, before his death, before he was not allowed to cross over into Jordan. That's why it says before he read the rest of it. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side, Jordan, in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Before we crossed over to the promised land, Moses was not allowed to go. Deuteronomy was Moses' farewell letter to the children of Israel, warning them what was going to happen to them and giving them further instructions on the Most High's commandments. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read verse 37 again. Let's see what he told us. Now, and, and if you're not unfamiliar with Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy chapter 28 is the chapter in particular we use to identify ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I'm talking about blacks, Hispanics, and so-called Native Americans with the Bible. This is how we piece the puzzle together, and this actually helps us bring out a lot of history to validate what the Bible says and to validate the fact that we are the true chosen people of God. No in ands, buts about it. So from Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1 all the way down to verse 15 is blessings. From 15 to 68 is all the curses. So we're in the cursing part. Read that for me. Deuteronomy 28 and 37. And thou shalt become an astonishment. It says we were going to become an astonishment. We Israelites, us, an astonishment. These damn bones and artifacts being found is what? An astonishment. It's an astonishment. People are astonished by this. Read. A proverb and a byword. A proverb like what? Engine, Native American. These are names that were given to us, but these are not our original names, y'all. The so-called Native Americans, they fit into a couple of categories as far as the as far as the biblical names are concerned, and that would be the tribes of Reuben, the tribe the tribe of Gad. And you read in the scriptures to tell you that. Uh, Half the tribe of Manasseh used to uh, hang out and live with Reuben and Gad. And the tribe of Manasseh would be a current day uh, Cubans, according to historical research and, and biblical research. Be your so called Cubans, man. And also, because uh, they also refer to 
a lot of the Caribbean people as, what do they call them? Oh, man, I forgot the term. Carib, Carib Indians. I believe that's the term. So if you're listening, hit me up with that term. Carib, I think it's Carib. Carib, some Indians. Or Carib natives, natives, something like that. But anyway, uh, this is definitely talking about our people. So it says that we've become a byword and whatever. Among all nations. Among all the nations. So all the nations call us a byword. Is that the one that says byword or proverb? Mm-hmm. Uh, and thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword. A word that you go by, but it ain't your name. It's like your name is Tyrone, but you short, so everybody call you short. But that ain't your damn name. So that's what the so-called white man in the whole world has done. And you can do your research. You find that when you do research on the Greeks, the Greeks would call people what they felt comfortable calling them, not their actual names. And that holds true uh, even until today. That's what Esau's still doing that. That's why when you have an ethnic name, they call you what feels comfortable for them to call you. And I noticed from experience, look at my kids. Go through this all the time with all of them. From Rapa to Thawi to Idi, they just, what do they call Idi? Ida Nunya. They called, they was called Rapa, uh, RuPaul, RuPaul, or Rapal Shalama, because his name is Rapa Shalama. Uh, they butch a Thawi name too. Sally. Sally. But they just they just call you what they feel comfortable calling you. This holds true, man. But by these bombs being found, man, it's just bringing more truth out of the Bible. How the Most High said we want to be an astonishment, a proverb, a, a byword, a proverb, and a, and a byword. Now let's get uh, Psalms one forty one and verse five. Yeah, you let that go. Psalms 141 and verse 5. Yep. Let the righteous smite me. This is David speaking. He said, let the righteous, the people that are right with the Most High, smite him. Meaning hit him, actually hit him. Read. It shall be a kindness. He said it's going to be a kindness because him getting corrected, him getting uh, put back on the right track, he doesn't look at this as something that's bad. Even if you got to hit him. Read. And let him reprove me. Mm-hmm. It shall be an excellent oil, mm-hmm. which shall not break my head. It's, it ain't going to kill you. Correction is not going to kill you. Uh, contrary to what we think, though. <laughs> Read. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. He said he's, he's praying for us in our calamities. Read. When their judges are overthrown in stony places. He says, when our judges, the, the rulers, the people of our nation are overthrown. Read. They shall hear my words. They still don't hear the most high's words, read on. For they are sweet. Read on. This is the part I want to get to. Verse 7. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth. Our bones are what? Scattered at the grave's mouth. Those our brother's bones, our Native American, so-called Native American's bones were scattered at the what? At the grave's mouth. At the grave's mouth. It, it Meaning they ain't been put in graves. 
They're at the grave site. They're at the burial site, but they ain't been buried. The bones just sitting there like them damn bones in somebody's damn college. Just sitting there. And I don't know if we read um, the sister that is the sister that actually works there. She's a Native, so-called Native American. And she was talking about how um, how it affected her, how it, how it uh, really bothered her to find this at her university. But this is nothing new, man. Read that part again. Psalms 141 and verse 5. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. Verse 7 is what I want. Verse 7. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth. Our bones scattered at the grave's mouth, not even buried. Read. As when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. It says our bones are getting, when you're cutting and cleaving wood, man, you're gathering and making a wood pile. That's what it's talking about. Our bones have been gathered together like some damn wood. These bones were found in a damn basement, closet, whatever the hell, of actual human remains. This is what they think of us. We're, we're not even um, worth burying, man. Now, let's get uh, Revelations chapter 11 and verse 8. And I got another article from a pullout that goes right along with this. And this is for all the naysayers, man. But go ahead and read this. Revelations chapter 11 and verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. It says they are dead bodies. It's talking about the Israelites. Gonna lie in the great city, read. Which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Now listen to what it's saying. It says spiritually, not ge- geographically located. All right. Now I've brought this out many times. Some people be like, "See, it ain't, it ain't talking about America." It doesn't say America. It says spiritually, not ge- geographically located. You have to understand the Bible and put precepts together. I'm not gonna do that for time restraint, but this is in fact talking about America. It says this place is spiritually called what? Sodom and Egypt. There's sodomy going on here in America by way of what? Same-sex marriages and these damn uh, letter people. Read. Where also our Lord was crucified. I'm sorry. It says Sodom and it was called Egypt. Egypt represents bondage. You get that from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. Bondage or captivity. What is this place but captivity? It says where our Lord was crucified. Where where did you get the the false image of Christ painted at, or portrayed at, or uh, publicized at here here in the in the states in the Americas, as well as around the west of the globe, but particularly here, because here in this place you can find all of the tribes here, all of our people, and you have the memory of not just Yahushua Christ uh, crucified or put to death, also the disciples. Adam and Eve, and all the other patriarchs of the Bible, we were told was what? White. They've been portrayed as what? White. Read. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations. So all the people, all the nations who come against us and they don't like us, tells us that countless times. Read. Shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. They're going to see our dead bodies three days and a half. This represents from 1619 
to uh, 1969, y'all, which will give you about 350 years. This is what it's talking about when it says three days and a half. I'm not going to break this down because of time constraints. They're going to see us, our dead bodies, 350 years, read. And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in grave. And this is what I wanted to get to. This is talking metaphorically, symbolically, spiritually, and it's talking physically also because we're reading it now in this article. They didn't suffer our dead bodies to be put in no graves, man. Bones just hanging out, chilling. Like like it's a damn garage sale. Oh, look what I found. Got these bones back here. These human remains. And knowing them, they're gonna probably they gonna probably put them in some in the damn Smithsonian some damn where as an exhibit. Remember the most high said we gonna come astonishment in the Proverbs? The damn uh was it eight wonder of the world? Ninth wonder of the world? <laughs> Read on. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry. Shall rejoice over us and make merry. They are. They have been rejoicing over our downfall, over our demise. They've been throwing parties because they're on the top and we're on the bottom now. Read. And shall send gifts one to another. And they sent what? Gifts. Send gifts one to another. What was the gifts, you might ask? We were the damn gifts. So it's out, matter of fact. I ain't going to ruin it. Let's just read it. All right, read this article right here. And tell them where you're reading from. From brown.edu. Colonial enslavement of Native Americans included those who surrendered to. Colonial, colonial what? Enslavement. Colonial enslavement of who? Native Americans. Ah, oh, but y'all said that Deuteronomy 28 ain't talking about the so-called Native Americans. Are you Native Americans? Because I heard y'all say this too. We ain't Israelites. We ain't with y'all. We ain't part of that. It's hard to refute history. Read the headline again. Colonial enslavement of Native Americans included those who surrendered to. It includes those that surrendered, meaning the Indian Wars they had. All those people that surrendered, they was taken as slaves. Didn't the Most High say we was going to be taken captive? Mm-hmm. Read on. Study by Brown University historian finds that Native Americans who surrendered during King Philip's War were sold into slavery with long-lasting effects. Now, King Philip, before y'all even get caught up, so oh, look at the white people. We're going to find out who King Philip was, right? Providence, Rhode Island, Brown University. A study by Linford D. Fisher, Associate Professor of History at Brown University, finds that Native Americans, including non-combatants, who surrendered during King Philip's War to avoid enslavement, were enslaved at nearly the same rate as captured combatants. They surrendered, and they still went into slavery. They surrendered so they wouldn't go into slavery, and they went into slavery anyway. That sounds like what? A prophecy. A prophecy. Give me Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 68. Deuteronomy 28 and 68. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again. Into captivity or bondage again. 
a second time, read. With ships. With ships. I'm going to get to that. Read. By the way whereof I spake unto thee. It's a prophecy. Read. Thou shalt see it no more again. And you ain't going to see your homeland no more. Read. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen. They're slaves, y'all. Read. And no man shall buy you. The word buy means to redeem or save. Nobody's going to save you. Now let's go back to the article. Native American slavery is a piece of history of slavery that has been glossed over. It's been what? Glossed over. Don't nobody read about this. They gloss over it like it didn't happen. Read. Fisher said, between 1492 and... 14 what? 1492. The age of conquest, y'all. Listen to these dates. This is coincidentally, not a coincidence, prophesied. This is the same year that the Jews were kicked out of Spain, 1492. The same year Columbus made his voyage to the Americas. Read. Between 1492 and 1880. And I'm sorry, what's most significant about that is 1492 is the beginning of the Renaissance. That starts the so-called renaissance era the word renaissance means rebirth rebirth what was being reborn the so-called white man dominion over the earth this was after the dark ages the dark ages or the byzantine era or the medieval era they got many names for it but it's basically saying the same thing you had black people in power doing that era before uh the late 1400s black people were in rule it was us y'all it was us we were wicked as hell but we were still ruling so during the renaissance era this is what was going on so from 1492 to what in 1880 mm-hmm. between 2 and 5.5 million native americans were enslaved in the americas in addition to 12.5 million african slaves he said 1880. Slavery was abolished in what? 16, in the 1600s, right? Abolished. Yeah. Hold on. No, 1800s. Yeah, 1800s. Slavery was abolished. But real. While natives had been forced into slavery and servitude, natives was forced into what? Slavery and servitude. Oh, but this didn't happen to y'all. Come on, man! I better read the Bible. Deuteronomy twenty-eight don't apply to y'all. How? How not? Read. As early as sixteen thirty-six. Read on. It was not until King Philip's War that natives were enslaved in large numbers. Fisher wrote in the study. The 1675 to 1676 war pitted Native American leader King Philip, also known as Metacom. So his name was Metacom, but he also went by King Philip. So this was us fighting against them. Read. And his allies against the English colonial settlers. Nah, the English colonial settlers, you don't say, which was also known as the British Empire. You know. During the war, New England colonies routinely shipped Native Americans 
as slaves to Barbados. They what? They did what to them? Routinely shipped Native Americans. They routinely shipped Native Americans. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68 again. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. Us getting shipped. Come on, man. But y'all say, oh, them ain't us? Thank you, cousin. January 32nd, 30, ooh, 31st? It was only 30, yeah, 31st. <laughs> 1865, slavery was abolished. Yes. Thanks, cousin. So going back to what that what it said in the article, what it said, read it again. During the war, New England colonies routinely shipped Native Americans as slaves to Barbados, Bermuda, Jamaica, the Azores, Spain, and Tangier, and North Africa, Fisher said. And how did the Most High say we was going to go into captivity with ships? I hope y'all listening. I hope y'all paying attention. She got so-called Native American brothers all in the Caribbean. All throughout the Caribbean, even all in Europe, all throughout Europe. So this goes back to and and what we read in Revelation when it talked about they sent gifts. We were the gifts. I hope everybody's getting this, man. Is there more to that? Read. While Africans who were enslaved did not know where they would be taken, Native Americans understood that they could be sent to Caribbean plantations and face extremely harsh treatment far from their homes and communities, according so, to the study. So so-called black people didn't know where we was going or where he was going, but the natives did. They were like, man, they going to take us over to the, Caribbean, to the Caribbean. They knew the destination. Mm-hmm. That was the only difference. Read. Fear of this fate spurred some Native Americans to pledge to fight to the death while others surrendered, hoping to avoid being sent overseas, the study found. Well, y'all listen to this. You can't make this stuff up. When y'all try to say that these ain't our people, a lot of us so-called blacks running around thinking we, we just black or Native Americans, especially all throughout the damn Midwest, why do you think those places in the Midwest got the names same names like Chicago? Think that the that what is the hockey team? The Chicago Blackhawks or name that by accident? The word Chicago is a native name. Did y'all know that? All those damn areas in Saint Louis and East Saint Louis, like Cahokia, Cahokia, Illinois. Across the bridge, all those streets in St. Louis, especially on the south side, uh, what's the name of that damn? Chippewa, Osage, those are all Indian names. Did y'all know that? Minnesota, Indian name. Y'all running around thinking y'all black. Or Israelite, oh, I'm from the tribe of Judah. You could very well be from the tribe of Gay, the tribe of Reuben. They are our people. Deuteronomy chapter 28 does pertain to them. Y'all better do some research, do some studying. I did, me and Sapar did an extensive class on this. 
anyway, let's move on to the next uh, article. And I'm, I might run a little bit over with the news, but it's all good, man. I ain't did news in like two weeks, two, three weeks. Where we at? From the NewYorkPost.com. Professor who wished Queen excruciating death explains defiant stance on podcast. So if y'all didn't hear, and everybody heard by now that that bag of bones died, age 96, the Queen of England, she died. But you had this sister come out. Read the article. Carnegie Mellon professor who sparked a firestorm when she wished Queen Elizabeth II an excruciating death has doubled down on her comments saying she was trying to teach America about the monarchy's role in an African genocide. Uju Ananya, a Nigerian-American associate professor. So that's her name, y'all. And it says she's a Nigerian-American associate professor. We're going to get to that, too. Read. Of second language acquisition at the prestigious Pennsylvania University, sat down for an interview Wednesday on the podcast This Week in White Supremacy where she took a defiant stance telling the host, I said what the what I effing said. <laughs> so I said what I believe it said. Really? The controversy around the 46-year-old educator and activist began unfolding last week when, in response to news that doctors were concerned about the queen's health, she tweeted, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Now, this, is what, this is what she said on Twitter. Read. Hours later, it was announced that Britain's longest-serving monarch had died at age 96 at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. So hours later, after this sister wished that, and what the sister was actually doing was she was sending up a prayer. <laughs> For the fall of her enemy, because it said how many hours later? Hours later. Hours later, she died. So the Most High heard her prayers. Uh, Tazapa, you tripping? Tazapa, you 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 teaching hate? Deuteronomy twenty-eight, real quick. I mean, not twenty-eight. Deuteronomy. Um, let me get it. Come on, Tazapa. Slow my mind down a little bit. Uh, 32, I believe it is. Cause y'all gonna say, "Oh, Tazapa, you're full of hatred." Those Israelites, y'all just hate, hate, hate. The Bible says, "Prove all things." So I said that the the sisters sent prayers up to the Most High for the Most High to take old girl out. So I gotta prove that, man. So do it is Deuteronomy thirty two and uh do, 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 do. Read start verse thirty five. Deuteronomy thirty two and thirty five. To me belongeth vengeance. What the most I say? To me belongeth vengeance. So who pays people back better than anybody? The most high does. Don't take matters into your own hand. Don't be no damn visual ante. You don't have to do that. The most high said, vengeance belongs to him. What you think you're going to get back 
get people back doing is nothing compared to how the most high can get them back. Read. And recompense. And the word recompense means payback. James Brown made that song. We listened to it yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Big payback. Well, the most high is the biggest payback. He's the biggest payer backer. Read. Their foot shall fly in due time. So you might think it's taking forever for this person to get there, but he said in due time, meaning when it's due to him. When it's due, they going to fall. Read. For the day of their calamity is at hand. The day of their calamity hand, meaning the Most High already set it up. He already set it up, but things have to happen before it can actually happen. Because remember, he says he's the God of patience. Now, I want you to jump down to verse 39. Deuteronomy 32 and 49. 39. Excuse me. Deuteronomy 32 and 39. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no God with me. He said, ain't no God with him. So contrary to what people think, there's a war in heaven between the Most High and the devil. No. He said, ain't no God with him. Ain't no, and the word God means power. There's no other powers with him. Read. I kill. What does he say? I kill. What does God do? I kill. God kills people. I hope you understand this. So when after uh, hours later, after this sister sent that prayer up, the queen died. <laughs> Who put the order in? Who sent the grim reaper? <laughs> Read it. I kill. This is God speak. He said he kills. First of all, he said ain't no God with him. He's the highest power. That's why we call him the most high. There's no other higher power. He said he kills. Read. And I make alive. He makes alive. Read. I wound. If you got wounded, shot by a gun, stabbed by a knife, burnt by fire, God did that. Read. And I heal. You had cancer. Now it's in remission. Now you all healed up. Who did it? The Most High did. Whatever ailments you had and you got healed from it, it wasn't you. The Most High allowed that to happen. Read. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. And listen to that part. He said, you can't get out of his hands. Once he got you in his in his eyesight, once the Most High got you under his thumb, it's a wrap. It's going to happen. You can't run from it. So forget that damn movie y'all seen, uh, what is it, Final Destination, mm-hmm. about how people were escaping death. Uh, 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 uh. That's a movie. <laughs> That's fiction. The nonfiction version of that is you're going to die if it's your turn. If the Most High calls your number, you're going to go, like he called the Queen's number. Now, let's go back to where we were. We had an article. Mm-hmm. Anya's tweet was later removed for violating the social media platform's rules, but she followed up with another one, writing, If anyone expects me to express anything but disdain for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star. She was directly affected by this, y'all, by British colonialism, by the British Empire. She was, her and her family was directly affected by it. Let me not ruin it, read on. During her podcast interview on Wednesday, Anya said she did not regret her tweet, saying it was born out of her family's difficult experience in Nigeria during the country's civil war. In 1967, 
seven years after Nigeria won independence from the UK and 15 years into Queen Elizabeth's reign, a conflict broke out between the Nigerian government and the Biafra separatists who fought for autonomy for the LGBT, I'm sorry, the Igbo people. The who? Igbo people. The Igbo people. Very interesting. I don't go into it now, y'all, but the word Igbo goes all the way back to Eber in the Bible, which we know is where we get the Hebrew language from. Igbo, Eber, we were all throughout the whole world. In fact, Spain used to be called the Iberia, Iberia, the Iberian Peninsula, Peninsula, that's us. We were all throughout that region. These Igbo people were Israelites, long story short. Read on. Um, An ethnic minority facing persecution in parts of the country. Britain seeking to maintain control of oil production in the region sided with the Nigerian government and sent vast amounts to be, excuse me, vast amounts of arms to be used against the rebels. Two years into the struggle, some two million Nigerians were dead, many of them from starvation, including children. How many people? Two million. Two million. So this sister speaking from what her family went through. She's just pulling some out the crack of her butt. Anya's mother, who at the time had two young children and was pregnant with a third, fled the war zone with her in-laws as Nigerian soldiers were destroying villages. Anya, who was born six years after the war, said she blamed the queen for the slaughter of her people. I had an emotional reaction and an emotional outburst, she told the podcast host. I was triggered by this news. It went deep into pain and trauma for me due to my family experience with the rule of this monarch. Anya claimed her tweet was not planned. It was very spontaneous, and ultimately its aim was to educate her followers. Before being deleted by Twitter, the professor's missive drew the ire of numerous users, among them Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos. And what I found out, Jeff Bezos is from... South Africa. Yes. He's what they call an Africana. Now, get the other article. So people always talk about, like I said, because they call her racist and they was talking stuff about her, but look at the facts she was bringing out. And they want to call it damn critical race theory. So the truth is critical race theory? Come on, man. Now, read this. From osu.edu. History of the British takeover of Nigeria. Now, this is, this. we didn't even get this in the article. We got the aftermath of what we're about to read. Because remember, it says that this was after colonialism, after Nigeria reclaimed its independence from Great Britain. So this is before that happened. February 4th, 2020. Nigeria is a country in West Africa. It was colonized by the British in 1884, and the colony is established at the Berlin Conference, which divides Africa by European powers. The British targeted Nigeria because of its resources. The British wanted products like palm oil, 
and palm kernel and export trade in tin, cotton, cocoa, groundnut, palm oil, and so on. The British accomplished the colonization by using its military. Although there was strong resistance from natives against the British, it was all crushed by the British. As a result, the trading post at the Niger River is created and the British economic rule is maintained over the colonies, exploiting Nigerians. After the British conquest of northern and southern Nigeria and the merging of the two to establish Nigerian colonies and protectorate, the British seeks the best interest between direct rule and indirect rule. They will not hesitate to use the means of direct rule if they think that indirect rule cannot guarantee their colonial status. So they did it with force. And I don't know if this article or the other article brought it out, but Nigeria is rich in oil deposits. So that's why they was there, man, for the natural resources. Mm. Now I want you to get the other article. Because we're going to get into the scriptures in a minute Yeah, read that From Wikipedia British West Indies The British West Indies, BWI Were the British territories in the West Indies Antigua, the Cayman Islands Turks and Caicos Islands Montserrat, the British Virgin Islands Antigua and Barbuda The Bahamas, Barbados, Dominica, Grenada Jamaica, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines, British Guiana, now Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago. Other territories include Bermuda, the former British Honduras, now Belize. Well, now what? Now Belize. It's talking about Belize. You know they speak English and Belize? And this is why. The other place, uh, the Dominica, I had never heard of it. I met a brother. When we was working at the uh, military base, Dominica. I'm like, you mean Dominican Republic? He's like, no, Dominica. I had never heard of it. But it's in the Caribbean. It's in the Caribbean. But these are all the places they colonialized. Well, not all of them. This is just the, in the West Indies, the so-called West Indies. Remember, they were called the West Indies because Columbus dumbass thought he was uh, going, find a quicker route to uh, India. So that's why he called it the West Indies. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because the sister's father that we just read about, he's Nigerian, but her mother, from what I researched, she's from the Caribbean. I believe she was from uh, Trinidad, I think. But these are the places that, uh, some of the places that they colonized. All right. Now let's get a... I don't want to go first. Let's get Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4. I'm going to show y'all how, how all of this is biblical. This was prophesied. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4. Let me catch up with you. Mm-hmm. All right, read that. And there went out another horse that was red. That was what color? Red. Now, the word horse represents power, Okay. That's why when you buy cars, they tell you the horsepower that is in the cars because it represents power. So when it talks about horse uh, or horse, it's talking about a power. This was a power that was on the earth. It ain't talking about no red horse. Remember the Bible's written three ways, historically, 
prophetically, meaning it's a book of prophecy, and symbolically. The Bible uses a lot of symbolism, especially in the book of Revelation, heavily in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter uh, 3. But this is talking symbolically. So this power was talking about an actual people or actual nation. It says that was red. These people were red, all right? I didn't have no plans on doing this, but I got to do it. Uh, Genesis 25. Now, contrary to popular belief, everybody on the face of the planet is a shade of brown. So you look at so-called East Indians, they're brown. You look at the Chinamen, they, people loosely talk about they yellow. No, they ain't yellow. You never seen a yellow person. They're a shade of brown. You look at the Arabs, they're a shade of brown. You look at the Africans, they're shades of brown. The Hawaiians, shades of brown. The Taiwanese, they're shades of brown. So everybody on the face of the planet is a shade of brown except for one particular people. And these people we loosely refer to as white, but they're not white. They're really a shade of red. That's why they call themselves rednecks. That's why they call themselves red-blooded Americans. They're the true red nation. When they're happy, they turn what color? Red. When they're sad, they turn red. When they're mad, they turn turn red. When they're born, the little babies is what? Pink, a shade of red. Come on, man, they're pink or red. They ain't white. Like, we ain't black. We're a shade of brown. Anyway, Genesis chapter 25 and read verse 21. Genesis 25 and 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. So Isaac's wife, Rebekah, had children. What's, what's it called when you have children at the same time? Twins. So she was having twins. She was pregnant with twins. Read. And Rebecca, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said. Now, they were struggling. If they were struggling, it means they was what? They was banging. They was fighting in there. They was thumping. And she said what? And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? I mean, if this is a blessing, then why am I going through all this pain? Because she had kids banging, fighting in her womb. Just turn her little womb up. She was having a lot of pain. This ain't talking about no Braxton Hicks. She was having real legitimate pain because her kids were fighting in the womb. So if children are fighting from the womb, that means they're going to have an intense hatred for each other for a long time, fighting from the womb. Read on. And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Listen to this. Two nations are in thy womb. So these two babies, these twins, they are two different nations. Remember that, y'all. All nations stem from a man. You can go back to Genesis chapter 10 and read the table of nations, and you'll see that. But this is that two nations are in the womb. Read. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. Meaning that these two babies, even though they come from the same womb, they came from the same man, got the same mama and daddy, they're going to be different. That's what manners mean. They're going to have different mannerisms. Read. 
and the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And one of these babies is going to be stronger than the other. Read. And the elder shall serve the younger. And the oldest one, he's going to serve the younger. Read. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. See, I ain't making this up. Twin babies, read. And the first came out red. Now, this is the part I want to get to. The first baby came out what color? Red. The first baby came out a shade of red. Now, people might read this and be like, ooh, alien baby. No, y'all. Let's get your heads out of the movies. Let's think more practical. Like I said, the so-called white man, if you pinch him, he's what? He's red. Just look at him. The dude's red, man. I mean, I I don't know how many examples I can give to show y'all how the so-called white man is red. He's not white. We loosely refer to him as white, but he ain't white. The dude's red. His birth right here. This was his birth. This was where his, his beginning goes right back here. You know, I know the Muslims try to say that some big head professor named Yaqub on some island came over the that that's a fairy tale, y'all. Biblically speaking, this is where he came from. This is where all white people originated from, right here. The first baby came out red, read. All over like a hairy garment. And then it it goes so far as to give another characteristic of this child to say he was hairy. He wasn't just red, he was hairy. And when you look at so-called white people, they're red and hairy, man. They'll shave in the morning, and then they'll have a 5 o'clock shower by 5 o'clock. Or they got all this damn hair all down their back, sticking up out of the, the back of their shirt and all through the front of their shirt. Because I know you're listening. When you get a chance, and I know you work around a bunch of them, start looking at them, and you'll see these characteristics that they, that's being talked about right here in the Bible. Came out red like a hairy garment. Read. And they called his name Esau. This is his biblical name right here, Esau. So when you see brothers on the corner talking about Esau, 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 this is what we're talking about. It's biblical. After that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's and heel. That, after that, his brother came out. We're going to find out his brother is Jacob. But remember, it said that Esau was red. But did it even mention the color of his brother? No, it did not mention his color. Why? Because he was normal. So Esau had a birth defect. All right, cuz. Cool, cool. This dude had a birth defect, okay? Read. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. This is us. Read. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. A score is 20, three score is 60, and he says three score and what? Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. He was 60, read. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. Another characteristic of the so-called white man. Cunning means skillful. Who's the world's most skillful hunter? It's him. Point blank period, man. It's him. Read. A man of the field. When it says a man of seal, he it means he's a man of the world. You can read that in Matthew chapter thirty-eight and uh, no thirteen thirty-eight. Matthew thirteen thirty-eight. As a side note, it tells you the field is the world. It says he's a man of the field. He's a man of the field. That's why he's always where all around the globe. Think of the Jacques Cousteaus, the Marco Polos, uh, Christopher Columbus, um, Skip, Scipio Africa. 
uh, Scipio Africanus, who Africa is uh, named after, and then um, the other cat, Americo Vespucci. These were explorers. Who's the explorers, y'all? Americo Vespucci, who America is named after. So this is talking about him. And what color did it say he was? It said he was red. Uh, let's go back. And this is a little, this is a crash course, y'all. But I had to get that so we can identify with who he is in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4. Revelation 6 and 4. And there went out another horse that was red. So this is talking about actual power. And these people, we know people represent power. These are power structures. So this power that went out, he was red. Once again, power meaning horse. This is going to tell you, read. And power was given to him that sat thereon. Power was given to who? To him that sat thereon. That sat thereon, meaning he's sitting on the throne. This is talking about a king or a kingdom. And it said him. It didn't say, it ain't talking about no animal, y'all. Sorry. It's not. Him that sat thereon. So power was given to this kingdom, this group of people, read. To take peace from the earth. To do what? Take peace from the earth. Ain't no horse taking peace from the earth, y'all. That's how you know it ain't talking about no animal. This is talking about an actual people. And these people were going to take peace from the earth. Read. And that they should kill one another. And they kill one another. You can go all the way, all the way back to the time of the Greeks, even before they came to Greeks. So you had Alexander's fa- father, Philip the Macedonian, who is famous for unifying all of Greeks because before he unified them, they were fighting amongst each other and killing one another. They had many wars. He united them, and then he passed down his legacy to Alexander who went to conquer the whole known living world. And this brought the era of the Greeks around 333 B.C. when Alexander came into power under the Greeks. Then you had the Romans to follow the Greeks, but the Romans had to take the Greeks out. They the same people, but they were fighting against each other and killing each other. Then you had that issue go on, and I'm speeding up in time a little bit. You had the Spanish fighting against the, the uh, against England, and then you had the French. All of them the same, but they all, historically, they all been known to do what? Kill each other. Kill each other for power. So when it says, and that they should kill one another, read. And there was given unto him a great sword. A weapon. Read. And when he had opened the third seal. Now, seals are prophecies, y'all. Read. I heard the third beast say. Matter of fact, let me get you to jump. For lack of time, y'all, and this is a lot of history. I'm giving y'all cleft notes. So let's jump to verse 8. Revelation 6 and 8. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Now, this is still talking about the same horse, but now it said that this horse was pale. If some, If anybody's pale, that means that they're what? No, not, well, yeah, dead, but in this case, it's talking about being sick. Because right before somebody dies and gets completely pale, they have a sickness to come upon them. So it talks about how this power, this force, this kingdom was going to be sick. 
and says, I look, and behold, a pale horse or a sick horse, a sick people, a sick nation. Read. And his name that sat on him was death. You see this? <laughs> and Hasdaim brought that out. Dead people are pale, but also sick people are pale. It's letting you know that this sick horse, it says death was with him. And hell followed with him. And hell followed with him. Man, I'm sorry, y'all. This reminds me of the movie um, Tombstone, one of my favorite movies. If y'all seen it, go back. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. But Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday. And this is the verse he quoted when he faced off against some dumb, and I forgot his name. But Val Kilmer was sick as hell <laughs> when he showed up. And he was pale as hell. He was pitch pale. And he quoted this verse to the dude he was about to kill. He said, read it again. The top of eight. And hell followed with him. And hell followed with him. So it's letting you know this sick horse, this power that's talked about him back in verse four, it says hell was going to follow with him. That hell being that sword that was given to him, and he was going to kill a lot of people. It's going to tell you, read. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. Power was given unto who? Unto them. To them. This ain't talking about no horse. It's talking about a group of people. Power was given to them over the fourth part of the earth to do what? To kill with swords. To kill with what? With swords. And that's what the British Empire did. They killed with sword, read. And with hunger. Remember how many people they said in Nigeria died because of starvation? Read. And with death. And with what? Death. With death. Read. And with the beasts of the earth. And they would sick dogs on people. Did y'all know that? That's the stuff they was doing during the civil rights era ain't nothing new. They've been doing that, sicking dogs on people. This is talking about the so-called white man. In particular, as on the topic, it's talking about the British Empire, y'all. How the hell do you think they colonized all these places? And this is just a few places. I didn't even go into China and India. Go back and do some studying on the opium wars that was going on over in China, how they had the Chinese strung out. The British Empire had the Chinese strung out on opium. Go back and look how they colonialized uh, uh, India. And so forth, I mean, so much so that they had them have a civil war. Now you got them India split up from regular India. They call it Pakistan. The, the Brits did that. They they infiltrated. They created that. Now, let's get Genesis 27 and verse 38. I'm like way over time, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm definitely going to get to the topic. So, Genesis 27 verse 38. Genesis chapter 27 and verse 38. Read. And Esau said unto his father. This the same pale horse, remember, talked about in Revelation, the same red horse, this red dude, talked about in Genesis chapter 25, talking about the same people, so-called white man. Read. Hast thou but one blessing, my father? You got one blessing? Because remember, Jacob had already came in and got the blessing. Read. Bless me, even me also, O my father. Read on. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And he was crying, but remember he had sold his birthright to Jacob. Now he's crying over it. Read on. 
And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. He, so he gave him a blessing. He said, Man, where you live at is going to have the best of the best. When he says the fatness of the earth, you're going to have the best of the best, son. Then he's going to tell him how you're going to get it. Read. And of the dew of heaven from above. And the most high going to bless it. Read. And by thy sword shalt thou live. And by what? Thy sword shalt thou live. So how do you think he got all the blessings and dwellings and the fatness of the earth? By his sword, his weaponry, whether it be the old school sword and he under the Ottoman Turks. Because those were white people, y'all. <laughs> they weren't. They were Muslims, but they weren't Arabs. The Ottoman Turks, white boys. Or by the the British and their cannons and their guns. And it's crazy because the Chinese invented gunpowder. But it was the so-called white man that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. That, that um, he made it the weapon of choice, the weapon that it is now, gunpowder. Read. And by the sword shalt thou live. And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And you gonna serve your brother. Mean his brother is talking about Jacob, which is us. And how has he served us with the sword? That this is all the killing that he's done. Because all those places, most of those places that were colonialized, we were there. Well, hell, all of them really. But in particular, the Caribbean. Read. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion. When you get the dominion, the control of the known living world, which happened around 1492 to late 14, early 1500s, the Renaissance era, rebirth, him coming back into power. This is the dominion that it's talking about. Read. That thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And he did. He broke the yoke that we had once upon a time or the control that we had on him. We were in control during the dark ages, during the medieval times, and then he got control, and he broke our control, and he took took it and ran with it. Now he's got control over all of the globe, even current day. Um, I was going to go a little bit more into this. I don't have time, y'all. Maybe I'll revisit this. I don't know. I want to get into the topic. Um, so the topic is entitled... Ladies first, women prophets. All right. So what is a prophet? So a prophet, y'all, is a spokesman for God. Matter of fact, let me get this real quick. So I'm transitioning over, y'all, getting into the class. I know it was a lot of news, and I definitely went long over. I don't think I ever went over that much. But like I said, man, I've been been a couple of weeks without the news, man. I had to get it in, y'all. Sorry. Uh, page four seventy six. So we're going to Zanzan Compact Bible Dictionary, page four seventy six, and Hasidai is going to read this for us. Sorry, highlighted. Read the first one. Mm-hmm. Prophecy for prophets. A spokesman of God. A prophet is a what? Spokesman for God. So this person basically speaks on behalf of the Most High God. It's this person tell you what God said. Read. Old Testament prophets were not in, interpreters of God's will. They didn't interpret the Most High's will. 
<laughs> All right? That's very important because you have a lot of people now that just, they interpret what they think the scriptures mean. Where it says that the a real prophet don't just interpret things. Read. They were uttered the actual words which God gave them. <laughs> they didn't have to try to interpret. The Most High told them exactly what to say, and they de- delivered exactly what he wanted to say. Read. Two aspects to their work, foretelling and foretelling. So the two aspects, foretelling and what? So they gave what was going to happen And then what was happening now this, That was their job That's what they did That's what a prophet does That's a prophet of the most high y'all Alright whether it be a male prophet Or a female prophet Which is referred to as a prophetess And we're definitely going to get into that But I want us to understand that If you calling yourself a prophet God sent me Then you should be uttering what The most high's words not your own, okay? Not your own. And how can you tell that this person is speaking from the words of the Most High? Let's get Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to read verse 20. This is how you can tell whether or not this person is a false prophet, that they captain. This is how you can tell. We're going to Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. It says to the law. You can find the law in the first five books. Then it says testimony. It's talking about all the prophets. So from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, Habakkuk. Um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Obadiah, all the prophets. To the law and to the prophets, read. If they speak not according to this word. If they don't speak according. Somebody pop up calling themselves a prophet, (laughs) but they ain't giving you no scriptures and edifying the scriptures, read. It is because there is no light in them. Don't follow them. They're in darkness. That's why it says ain't no light in them. The word light represents wisdom. He said ain't no wisdom wisdom in them. They're not my prophets. Jeremiah 3.15. Let that go with me, Jeremiah 3.15. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart. What the most I say? And I will give you pastors according to mine heart. I'm going to give you a pastor. I'm going to give you a prophet according to my heart. The heart's talking about the mind. He said, I'm going to give you people that's going to tell you what I said. That's basically what he's saying. Read. Which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. They're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding, but whose knowledge and whose understanding? The Most High God's, not their own. I hope everybody's getting this. If you meet somebody and they call themselves a prophet and they ain't giving you God's word with edification, then they, he didn't send them. This is a false prophet, y'all. I want us to understand this. It's very important. 
from there, let's get Matthew chapter 12 and verse 47. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 47. So I'm bringing out all the ways where you can establish whether or not this person is a prophet. So the first part I'm bringing out is what? They have to be speaking God's words, right, with edification. And then this is the second part right here. Read this. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without. So somebody, they was talking to Christ. They said, hey, man, your brother, your mother and your brother here, they, they're here to see you. Read. Desiring to speak with thee. Read on. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? He said, man, who my mom and my brother? Read. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. So Christ turned around to his disciples and said what? And said, behold, my mother and my brethren. This is my mama. This is my brother. Now, what the hell is Christ talking about? These are men. He's calling his mama and his brother. How do you call a man a woman? What is he talking about? Read. For whosoever shall do the will of my father. What did he say? For whosoever shall do the will of my Father. Whoever does the will of the Heavenly Father, the Most High, read. Which is in heaven. Which is where? In heaven. <laughs> read. The same is my brother and sister and mother. So this is how you can establish a false prophet also. If they ain't doing the will of the Father, then they ain't got nothing to do with the Most High. They don't have nothing to do with Jesus, the Christ. Of the Bible They have to be Teaching God's word Giving you God's word With edification And they have to be Doing the will Their actions have to show it I can't be trying to I can't be giving you The word of God But um, I'm selling dope I'm smoking weed I'm 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 pimping pros I can't be doing that all right, so I hope you understand that. So how do you establish a false prophet? The first way is if they ain't speaking God's words with edification, that's a false prophet. The second way, if their their actions don't exhibit God's will, that ain't a prophet. All right, let's get there. Let's understand this. Now, let's get the the Bible's first prophet or the first prophet that's mentioned in the Bible Let's go to Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7, y'all. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. Talking about our forefather, Abraham. Yeah, and his name was changed by this time. Abraham. So Abraham is being referred to right here in the book of Genesis chapter 20, verse 7, as a prophet. I'm going to read it again. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Now, this was Abraham's wife that was took her from him, Sarah. And this dude is like, hey, man, get this dude back his woman. He's going to pray for you. He's, God's got his back. But if you don't give him back his woman, you're going to die. Now, what 
made Abram or Abraham a prophet of the Most High, first of all, he uh, gave God's words with edification, and his actions exhibit that he believed in the Most High and his will. All right, let's understand this, but let's prove it. Let's get Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. He said, man, get up. Leave your people. Leave everything you know. I'm going to show you this land. And let's see what Abraham did. Read. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Read. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. No, Abraham said, uh, no, nah, player, I don't know where you're trying to send me. I don't know them people over there. I don't know nobody over there. My people's over here. You trying to send No, nah, I ain't trying to do that. Is that what he said? No. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. He got up and left, which means what? He believed in the will of the Father because his will was to stay there and chill, to keep making idols because he was an idol maker. I don't know if y'all knew that. That was his job. But now I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave because God told me I'm going to do God's will and not mine. Read on. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And that's why I read the rest of this, so we get his age. Usually you get older people, they stuck in their ways. <laughs> uh-uh, this is all I know. This is all I'm trying to do. Man, I live 75 years. You want me to get up and move? You tripping? You out your mind? He ain't say none of that. He had faith. He did the will of the Father without question. Now let's get Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. For what sayeth the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It says that Abraham, who was also called a prophet, the, the first time the word even mentioned in the Bible, he believed the Most High, and it was counted as what? Unto him for righteousness. He was right. He was right with the Most High. Why? Because his actions exhibited that he would do the will of the Father and not his own. This is what made him a prophet. I hope everybody's seeing this. All right. So the question is, were there women prophets in the Bible? There were women prophets in the Bible. So let's get the first prophetess. <laughs> let's get Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20. Why do you look like that? Because <laughs> that's how they be in the church. Prophetess. Prophetess. <laughs> Exodus 15 and 20, man. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20. 
and Miriam the prophetess. The what? Prophetess. Which meant what, y'all? She did the will of the Father. She taught his word with um, edification or spoke his word with edification because those are qualifications of a prophetess, right? Either one or both. Read. Verse 20, read again. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Mm-hmm. And Miriam answered them, answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. Now, this is um, where you get this song, because she started went into a she went into a song about what the Most High did to save. So you can read, y'all can go back and read it on your own time, the whole chapter. But my point in bringing this out is this is the first time we see a woman being mentioned as a prophetess in the Bible. So now let's get some information on this prophetess. Let's get some of her actions. Let's go to Numbers chapter twelve and verse one. But y'all see this, right? So she, Miriam was called a prophetess. This was the sister and also the sister of Moses. Because remember, she's the one that found Moses, right? And brought him to uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And then went and got her mama to nurse Moses. So she was very inter- instrumental in saving the life of Moses. The, mo- the most high worked through her. But it was the most high's will. All of it was his will. So where are we at? Numbers 12, right? Read that from the top. Numbers, Numbers chapter 12, 12 and 1. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. So here we go. Miriam again. And what was she called? In Exodus? The prophetess. This prophetess, she did what? And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Mm, she, she was talking against Moses, Moses, the servant of the Most High, her and Aaron. Read. Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. They had issues with Moses because he took an Ethiopian woman. You won't find this in the scriptures, but it is in the Josephus. And this is factual. He did marry an Ethiopian woman. Read. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Right. Now, the issue they're having with him, because the Most High forbade this in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I believe it was. He told us that uh, not to um, marry women of other nations because they turn away our hearts from following him. So they had issue with Moses over this. In particular, Miriam. Read. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Like man. He ain't only been working with you. He been working with us, too. Read. Have he not spoken also by us? Read. And the Lord heard it. Who heard it? The Lord. The Most High heard this. Read. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So people read this and they think Moses was a little weakling or something. The word meek means to endure injury constantly without resentment. Moses was perfect at this. Read. He didn't, the, he didn't hold grudges. Read. Verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. 
Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. It says, come out. This is the Father, man. Y'all get out here. Y'all get over here. I'll do this to my kids. Kids! <laughs> they come. Y'all get out here. Tell out here. Read. And they three came out. Mm-hmm. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. Mm-hmm. And he said, hear now my words. If there, if there be a prophet among you. Now listen to what he's saying. If there is a prophet among y'all, read. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I'm going to talk to this prophet in a vision, read. And will speak unto him in a dream. I'm going to speak to him in a dream. So this is how the Most High comes to prophets. He comes to, come to them in a vision or in a dream, read. And will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. But he said Moses is different, though. He don't speak to him in a dream or a vision. Read. Who is faithful in all mine house. Moses is faithful. Read. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. I speak to him face to face. I'm sorry. I ain't going to say face to face. The Most High has never uh, saw or spoke directly to anybody. He always used an angel. Countless scriptures back that up. He said, I'll speak to Moses mouth to mouth. Read. Even apparently, and not in dark speeches. Meaning, I don't make no riddles of what I tell him. I don't speak in parables. I speak directly to him so he understands. Read. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. So the similitude is something similar to the Lord, but not the actual Lord, not the actual figure. So Moses will deal with angels. Similitude or look like the Most High, but not the Most High directly, because the Scriptures tell us nobody's ever seen him face to face, or he's never spoken to anybody face to face. So, but the Most High said, "Man, I speak to him directly." Apparent, uh, even uh, apparently, even apparent. No dark speeches, no 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 riddles, no mysteries. Read. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore. Then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So he's checking them. Why y'all talking against my servant? Read. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Now, Miriam was a prophetess, right? That's what it's called her in Exodus. But is she now a prophetess? Because <laughs> what, what must a prophet exhibit to make them a prophet? They have to uh, speak the Lord's word with edification, and they have to do the Lord's will. Either both of those attributes or one of them. So is Miriam exhibiting any of those attributes right here? No, she is not. So is she still a prophetess or a prophet? Hell no, she ain't. Aaron wasn't at this particular time either. Read on. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. He turned Miriam white. This was punishment for her being out of order, for her not doing the will of the Father, which was what? Not to be talking smack about the Most High's prophet Moses. I hope y'all seeing this. Read on. And Aaron looked 
upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. She was white. Three. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my lord. So her her pigmentation just left her body. <laughs> Lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly. He, and he understood that he was tripping too. Even though the Most High just blazed Miriam up, make her pigmentation leave her whole body, he understood he was in the wrong also. Read. And wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead. Don't be as one dead. Read. Of whom the flesh is half consumed. Read on. When he cometh out of his mother's womb. And I'm sorry, verse 11 said, and wherein we have sinned. So to go against the Father's will. That's a sin. You ain't no prophet. You're a sinner. <laughs> if you ain't doing the will of the Father. I hope everybody can see this. But long story short, Miriam, the prophetess, was no longer a prophetess because why? She wasn't doing the will of the Father. She was out of order, y'all. I hope y'all see this. Read on. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face. Now, Moses is begging. The word beseech means to beg. He begged the Most High to give her back her, her uh, pigmentation, her color. And the Most High said, Hold on, dude. If what did he say? If her father had but spit in her face, if your daddy spit in your face, he's ashamed of you. He's ashamed. You did something to make him ashamed of you. This is what the most I say. Read. Should she not be ashamed seven days? No, nah, she's gonna have to be without pigmentation for seven days, dude. Till I calm down. I don't even want to look at her. Read. Let her be. Shut out from the camp seven days. And and she going to be by herself for seven days. Read. And after that, let her be received in again. Now she can come back. Read. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. And the people journeyed not until Miriam was brought in again. But they waited for her. That was fair. But she still was by herself without her skin color for seven days. Having the, what I'll be sure to say, Gotta get off on your own, girl. You gotta get off on your own. You gotta get off on your own, girl. <laughs> Point being, the prophetess was out of order, not doing the will of the Father. And this is any prophet, male or female. If you're not doing the will of the Father, you're no longer a prophet. A prophet. Or a prophetess. I want us to understand this. Now let's go to Judges chapter 4. And let's get the prophetess that everybody be talking about. Everybody be mentioning. Our beloved sister Deborah. This is what the book of Judges are. Chapter 4. Because as you can see, and I'm not going to sit up here in front and cap like it wasn't women prophetess in the Bible because we're reading it. It, 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 it. There were women prophetess. I mean, point blank, period. 
But once again, the prophet is somebody that gives you God's word with edification, and they do the will of the Father. That's what makes them prophets or prophetess. All right, so Judges chapter 4, verse 1. Judges 4 and 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, and that, excuse me, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Horosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. And 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. So, and you'll read countless times in Judges, man. And the children of, did, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. It feels like you keep, it's like you stuck on the same chapter. But it'd be a different chapter. Now, we're talking about uh, years, years upon years upon years of time. We just kept messing up. And every time we messed up, the Most High would send us a Savior to help us out of, out of the predicament that we were in. This particular time, the Savior was a brother by the name of Barak. But the Most High used this prophetess, Deborah, to relay the message to him. All right? Because some people, they'll read this child to be, oh, Deborah was the Savior. She saved Israel. Uh, no, she helped save Israel <laughs> with Barak. We're going to read it and prove it. Keep reading. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. So she was a judge. She was a prophetess. Once again, a prophetess, somebody that gives and edifies the word of God and does the most high's will. She was a judge. She was judging Israel at this particular time. Read on. And she dwelt under the palm tree. Of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. Now, now, stop real quick. Now, I got to bring this out because people will say, see, a woman can have authority. A woman can do this. The, a woman could be put in this position, but whose authority was she still under? We're going to find out she was still under a man's authority, still under the authority of the Most High, the way the Most High set it up. We're going to find out, y'all. We don't. Verse and, five again. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. Mm-hmm. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him. Now listen to this. She, she sent for Barak to deliver a message to him. Read. Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Nassali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with the chariot and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. Now, I want to pay very close attention to verse 6. Read it again. And she sent and called Barak, son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Nephali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded? She said, Hath not the Lord of God commanded? Meaning what? 
that this dude had been told this before. Why would she have to bring this up? Hey, didn't God tell you to do such and such and such? <laughs> Read. Saying, go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Nepali and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitudes, and I will deliver him into thy hands. And I will deliver. This, this was the message from the Most High. She wasn't saying that she was going to deliver him. She said that the Most High said he was going to deliver these people into your hands, dude. And he already told you this. So why are you lottie gagging? Why you ain't did what he told you to do? Verse 8. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me. If you go with me. Then I will go. Then I'm going. <laughs> so you see why this dude was stubborn? He needed somebody to go with him. This sister must have been a bad sister. And I say that because he like, man, I need confirmation. I need a godly person to go with me. I ain't going by myself. I need some backup. So this sister must have really been a, a good judge in Israel when she was judging Israel. Read. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. But if you ain't going... <laughs> I ain't going either. Ain't this dude something? Stubborn little digger. <laughs> Read. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. He said, I will go with you, but the journey that we take ain't going to be for my honor. Now, let's get this, man. That was verse what? Nine. Verse 9. We're going to come back to that. Uh, let's go to Josephus real quick. We got like five minutes. We got enough time to cover some of this. Let's go to Josephus. Uh, it's page 140, y'all, in the blue Josephus, if you got one. Josephus, y'all, was a historian, and I'll get more into him. I got some literature on him. He was an historian. He was an Israelite that was taken captive during the uh, wars of the Jews, man. And the Romans, the Edomites, they asked him to write a history account of our people, and he did, which ended up being first the wars of the Jews, and then it was the antiquity of the Jews, which we're reading now. And it gives us a little bit more information behind certain things that happened in the Bible. So we're going to uh, book five, chapter five, and... Paragraph 1. So read that for us, ma'am. Antiquities of the Jews, Book 5, Chapter 5, Paragraph 1, Line 198. And now it was that the Israelites, taking no warning by their former misfortune to amend their manners, and neither worshiping God nor submitting to the laws, were brought unto, under slavery by Jabin, the king of the Canaanites. And that before they had a short breathing time after the slavery under the Moabites. For this, Jabin came out of Hazor, a city that was situate over the lake Semechonitis, and had in pay 300,000 footmen and 10,000 horsemen with no fewer than 3,000 chariots. Sisera was the commander of all his armies. 
and was the principal person in the king's favor. He so sorely beat the Israelites when they fought with him that he ordered them to pay tribute. So they continued to undergo that hardship for 20 years as not good enough of themselves to grow wise by their misfortunes. God was willing also hereby the more to subdue their obstinacy and ingratitude toward himself. So when at length they were become patient and were so wise as to learn that their calamities arose from their contempt of the law, they besought Deborah. They besought who? Deborah. Read. A certain prophetess among them, which name in Hebrew tongue signifies a bee, to pray to God to take pity on them and not to overlook them, now they were ruined by the Canaanites. So God granted them deliverance and chose them a general, Barak, one that was of the tribe of Nathali. Who chose this general? The Most High chose this general. Read. Now Barak in the Hebrew tongue signifies lightning. So Deborah sent for Barak and bade him choose out of 10,000 young men to go against the enemy because God had said, that number was sufficient and promised them victory. But when Barak said that he would not be the general unless she would also go. Remember, we just read that. He said he wouldn't be the general unless he went, unless she went with him. Read. With him. She had indignation at what he said. She had what? Indignation. She had indignation at what he said. Look up the definition for indignation. So this is the same story we just read in Judges. Indignation. Anger aroused by something unjust, unworthy, or mean. She she said she felt unjust or unworthy of what he was trying to bestow upon her. Like she was really somebody. She was offended by that. Meaning what? She wasn't trying to usurp no authority or claim the battle or put herself on some level, but he was. But she was offended by that. I hope everybody sees this. This sister was still in order. Now, I just heard the, there's 10 seconds right there, <laughs> the 10-second mark, y'all. I think this is a good stopping place. We definitely going to pick back up here. Remember this, too. I got it marked. We're going to pick back up when we come back to uh, – Get more into this class. I ain't gonna say conclude because this might be a lengthy one, also, y'all. But uh, I like to uh, say the water to Michelle for hooking up the broadcast. The water to everybody. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, cousin, for your questions, man. Keep them coming. They make for great topics. I hope everybody got some edification out of the class and learned something that they didn't previously know. And um, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, tell a friend. To tell a friend, to tell a friend to please tune in to Tug of Pie. Tuesday. Tug of Pie. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say, Shalom. Shalom. See y'all next time.